0: I used to be friends with a man named Saudi Skimmons. And Saudi Skimmons, oh, I don't even want to say name. So I'll just call him Lord Voldemort. But really his name was Saudi Skimmins and Saudi Skimmons hurt me. He hurt me. And I used to call him my friend. On the next episode of The Original BB, we'll be doing one of our favorite segments, Child, Address It, where we talk about actual beefs in real time, about real people, but we changed the name. (laughs) Get in here. Let's talk crazy. I want to apologize in advance for this episode of The BB, Original BB Podcast, because I wanted to share this old story about this old beef and drop some new details and some new tea that I've been sitting on about it and some deeper understanding and just really get into it. But as I began breaking the story down, I was just overwhelmed with don't give a fuck. And I just don't care. I used to do addresses on my live and talk about beefs and people would get all riled up and excited about the beef and the details and the juiciness and the tea and the tea would be odd. and I don't care. I am in my happy place and don't know who with no deep booty who stop no show and I love you. Y'all know what it is. It's time for the Original BB Podcast. I'm your host, BB, and I do not have time to sit around here arguing with y'all. So just get in here, let Well, hold up, hold on, hold on. Drop the beep. Oh, Lord, get in less list. address all scammers. I'm a little scared, so... I- I needed a co-host. I, I, I got Jonah here.
1: <laughs> I'm just here for mutual support.
0: Period. It's Jonah's trauma too. And so, what happened with Saudi? Saudi Skimmins. Um, if I can, t- so I met Saudi at your dad's setup. <laughs> that was my first time encountering him. I was at a setup at my son's grandmother's, and that is where I first met Saudi. <laughs> But um, (laughs) try to take a shot to talk about this because um yeah so I met Saudi at your dad's setup and you know I met him through your another one of my son's family members who I was friends with, am friends with you know they introduced me to Saudi and we began going over to Saudis to hang out and just be adults you know you know toast the glass laugh have a key and that's how it started and then. Slowly, it became just me and Saudi, and it was this slow on-again, off-again situation when we moved into our apartment. Saudi helped me with some furniture. Most of that furniture was a little... Should I say it? You should. You gonna say it? Bed buggy? Bed buggy. Um... Saudi so has a habit of giving away furniture to friends. And it's, I think, in a good spirit, like, he really does want to help. But he might not realize that wherever that furniture is at or coming from, there's a bed bug problem. And that's a lot. Um, <laughs> this. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, I brought that up to say this. I, let me say this. Before I say anything, I want to say this. I forgive Saudi, you know. Have I ever told you that? No. Yeah, it took months. It's July. This All the stuff went down in February. But I do forgive Saudi. Um, I talk about this a lot. We all want grace for ourselves, but we don't want it for others. And we think it's okay to get a second chance and a third chance and to get, you know, a get-out-of-jail-free card every now and then. By the universe, because it's us, but we don't want other people to have that, you know, right or grace, you know, from from the higher power. So it's definitely a Jonah situation, not you, but the biblical Jonah. That was Jonah's problem in the Bible. Jonah wanted grace for himself. God rescued him from the from the fish's belly, but you know, originally, he didn't want to go do what God told him to do, which was basically tell some people some things so that they could get right and be saved. <laughs> and Jonah was like, no, don't save them. Let them burn in hell. I will not go do that. Because <laughs> if I go say what you told me to say, you're actually, they're going to change and you're going to have a mercy on them. And they're going to basically, oh, what, get the same grace? they have a relationship with the same God that you got a relationship with that just about to, about to throw you in a whale belly to get you right, but take you out. Cause you could have died, you in the middle of the ocean.
1: You did not die though, so.
0: You didn't, but did you die? Okay, so yeah. Anyway, that's why I forgive Saudi. Is when I was realizing that you know he's a human. I forgive Saudi because of another Bible story that I don't think I've ever shared with you. But do you know the story of Cain and Abel? Loosely. Cain killed Abel.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Who are Cain and Abel?
1: The sons of Adam and Eve.
0: And so that makes them...
1: The first... Brothers. uh, Brothers, yeah.
0: So if Cain killed Abel, Cain killed his freaking brother. And um, he did that because basically, you know, God gave them an assignment and Cain brought, like, some herbs or something for his sacrifice. And Abel... Abel killed a bull or something, <laughs> like he bought, brought God a sacrifice. And a uh, long story short, Cain was jealous and like, because God smiled on Abel's sacrifice and Cain felt like, oh, he had a bad sacrifice to me. i gonna kill him. And that's what <laughs> literally what happened. But the other part of the story in the Bible goes that God placed a mark on Cain after Cain killed his brother. And the, the significance of the mark was it was a sign to the laws, to the people, to Adam, to Eve, to everybody that no one gets to deal with Cain. I will deal with my child accordingly. God put a mark on Cain, even though what Cain did was wicked. But the idea was like, let me deal with my child. Because a lot of times when people wrong us, we hate them. We you know Some people even wish them harm. I never wish people harm when they're when they wrong. Because I just, Maria raised by Galagichi Grandma, but she didn't teach me not to do that. But, you know, we want to wish people harm when really like doing wrong is an opportunity to get to know yourself, to grow, for God to correct you and build your character. And the same way you get that from God, Other people deserve it too. And the same way, you know, you might think, oh, all I did was lie. He called child-protective services on me, that's different. No, a sin is a sin is a sin. So he deserves the same grace that I, and mercy, that I have gotten for my infractions that God has helped me with. So I forgive Saudi. How do you feel? Do you forgive Saudi?
1: For me, I remember so little of that whole period that there isn't much to forgive.
0: Okay, It's
1: like I know I was there so I know it But like so little Of the I was disassociating during So much of the experience I understand That it's like forgive What I was not even there I right. was there but I wasn't there
0: Right Yeah like I mean We had been um, Evicted I had been evicted, which means my son had to leave too. There's a whole story behind that. And we moved into a local hotel, a motel, a motel six. The main reason, because they allow pets and they're cheap. And I knew that I would probably need to stay for a month or two while looking for a new place for, to move my family. And, um, So that was a murky situation. However, uh, this was a few, you know, a couple months after I had gone viral, after I've done all these videos, made all this money, you know, seen all this stuff, had all these trips coming up. Like I was still very much in a good place emotionally and mentally, even after being evicted. And I know a lot more to the story story then you know, y'all know. So the, and I mean, John, well, you know, but, you know, there may be some, a lot of good that came out of that, that comes out of that situation. So I really wasn't down after that. I honestly feel like Saudi rolled the marble that started this domino effect that ultimately led us here so the lesson in that is what the enemy means for, to destroy you, God will always use for your good because again, we moved into a hotel. I wasn't down. I definitely, that was my a point of disassociation because I've been through a lot. There's been a lot that you've been through because of me, my decisions as a family, we've, you know, we've been through a lot. Um, And so I have learned to, we have been through so much, in fact, that I have learned to, while it's going on, and it took a while, I didn't start off like this, I used to be a super panicker, worrier, act crazy, but I'm going to just be honest, and this is a testimony, child, I got to the point where it was like, how many times that God has to show you that, you know, be still and I am God? For before you realize like not to panic in these messed up situations. I finally got to that point. I have been through so many messed up situations that I learned that there is no need to panic because I have also been brought out of so many every single one of them. Period. And God did it. So why should I panic? You know, why? Why should I feel discouraged okay period and so all that to say that i just want to explain that prior to saudi enter saudi you know i was not feeling that bad the homelessness was not on me i mean it was very fresh but i just feel like saudi kind of came in and made an inconfe- an inconvenient situation, a a hard time and a struggle, and in effect, exploited me for what I was going through because I wasn't ashamed. I had shared on my platform that I was, you know, leaving my home and it wasn't a happy situation, and I had shared that on my platform. I got, went live sitting in front of my house. I didn't care. I shared it because I know I didn't do nothing wrong. I didn't intend to hurt nobody and that, you know, Mm. I know what's going on. And so I had shared it. I wasn't ashamed. And I moved into the motel and moved my pets in and everything was cool. And I still was, I was good. I, I talked to the, um, I spoke to the hotel staff when I was moving in because they recognized me. The housekeepers were there, and they were like, "You're that girl. You doing the videos. You're the famous girl." And I laughed okay. up with them and everything. So I just, I, I now I also recognize um, my son Jonah. Tell me the truth, because I know it that that experience may be very different for you. Is very different for you because you know this is me coming from somebody who, you know has a lifetime of learning about faith and stuff but what was it like for you you want you want tell the truth i, I, mm. I, I before you break it down i already know that you hated it because we discussed it while we were there and before when everything was going down with the home i was trying to get us an airbnb but i had not stayed in airbnbs before and didn't realize how the process worked and i did get better at getting airbnbs after that but um like jonah was hot jonah said had said when I told him, like, "Hey, we're gonna have to move. Things look a little crazy." The only he only had one rule. I had one job. i trying to be in the hotels,
1: and we went straight to one. I once. I think it's one of those things where, like, the moment I heard we're gonna have to move, disassociation kicked in right then and there.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> I do not remember the the majority of that experience. I have snapshots of like events that took place, like, but spent the time I spent is gone. Okay.
0: Well, that's good. I mean, because it was traumatic and, you know, I need to let go. And that's almost what this is about. This is an exercise in letting that crap go. I'm going to talk about it Um, here and then I ain't going to talk about it no more. And I actually haven't been talking about it a lot, but recently I began telling people, because I've been recently beginning to share my story with the people that, um, I'm meeting uh, you know the people that I be around in Atlanta
1: um and in not remembering a lot of that experience now to me it's just kind of something that like happened I guess like it's in the lore of my life and it's like I don't regard that in anything too big but of course if I'm just like giving a general rundown of the lore of my life someone might get there and be like what <laughs> me however th- yes this happened uh-huh I was there
0: but I'm not gonna let it define me and that's good That's strength um, so what happened enter Saudi we move into this motel I am I had recently started a marketing company um, because of my viral video small businesses were now reaching out to me to make videos promoting their small businesses. I had a job that had been planned, what, a month, maybe two months prior where I was going to go to this campsite um, and promote this woman's business, a black owned campsite and farm business where they had Airbnb stays for people who wanted to just get away be in the woods, and um, it was a really cool place. Um, check out Keydogle Farms in Georgetown. Really neat place. Uh, the owners, Leisha and and and, and Matt. Um, no, my bad. They're they're Leisha Matt. I can't remember what her husband's name is for no reason. It'll come to me later. Mo can't remember, but. Anyway, but the Matthewses have a farm in Georgetown called Key Dogo Farm. Google it. Look it up. They got a IG. And I was going down there to have a stay there so I could then tell people about it and promote the farm. And um, that was, you know, my deal. I wanted to bring my friend, Saudi Skibbins, along with me um, and was going to. So it's nine o'clock at night and I'm at a motel and I'm going to take my friend Saudi to a campsite with me um to do some marketing work really but allow him to enjoy camping in the woods for free with me for marketing help me out you're not gonna help me record a video you're not gonna help me take a picture you're not gonna help me edit You get to just come, be my plus one, and have a good time while I essentially am working. And that's what I did. I went there and I worked. But long story short, Saudi showed up to pick me up, and we were going to go to Kidogo. And I didn't want to go again, and I changed my mind. Saudi became so irate that he screamed at me. On, through a parking lot in front of a bunch of witnesses at a fast food restaurant, because I was getting out of the car and heading walking back to my hotel room and gonna find a different way to get to the police. When it wasn't enough that Saudi wanted to scream at me, Saudi then called the hotel I was living at, spewing lies to them, called the police on me as well and spewed a bunch of lies to them those lies included that I had my son living in a cat feces infested motel room <laughs> because we had brought our pets with us to the hotel and that he wasn't in school, that he was sleeping on a bed with no sheets. So even if you were, but like, you know, like not that there weren't sheets, you know, somebody had not put the sheets on their bed.
1: I don't like the majority of the sheets. My baby schedule, only likes so. flat sheets. He doesn't like a top sheet.
0: But <laughs> like, just, so he called Child Protective Services and told them a lot of these same things and that I was mentally unstable and able to care for my child, that my child smoked pots and I allowed them to. And just yeah, a bunch so. of lies, dirty, rotten lies. And... Next thing I know, I'm coming back from a camping trip that I did not take Saudi with me to, and I no longer have a hotel room, and I no longer have pets except for the pets that I took with me to the woods, and to the farm in the woods, and I have a DSS caseworker, contacting me and meeting me, and oh, showing up to my kids' school to contact them and meet them.
1: Which was very, which was quite the funny experience for me, but I think we'll go into that a little later.
0: No, we'll go into it now. That oh, cool. was, I, I literally just set you up for it.
1: Oh, great. Well, in that case, <laughs> um, when someone calls you and goes, this person can't care for their child, their child's doing this, they're doing this to their child, when you show up to that child's school, and that child is there at said school that you were told they weren't at, that's your first lie. That's the first time you're probably gonna be like, huh. And you're probably not expecting that child to come prim, proper, prepared, like, hey, none of this is true, basically.
0: <laughs> right?
1: And then I did. And Period. as she was speaking, I'm kind of glimpsing what was said. I it, I wasn't told in total what was said quite right. yet, But I'm glimpsing it because context clues are there, and I love English. (laughs) Like,
0: we are writers and speakers, child.
1: And as she's talking, as I'm responding, I'm watching the surprise color her face. Yes. I'm watching her, like, go through the checklist of what was said and understand that none of it's true.
0: (laughs) It's a whole complete (laughs) lie.
1: And at first i was a little offended i remember this so specifically because i remember the anxiety of being called out of class to the principal's office not given a reason my teachers couldn't even tell what was going on everyone just heard my name and principal's office and that's what i was told too i get there and i wasn't even filled in for like a good 10 minutes i'm just being asked questions and then eventually Maybe it was a forty and slip. Maybe she was just telling me. I catch whether this is a DSS case, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, sense is being made now." Right. I'm putting two and two together, and it is equaling four.
0: Right. <laughs> like extra. And it is equaling four. Okay. <laughs>
1: Period. And I'm like talking to her, and she's just like going on question after question, statement after statement. And I'm just, like, sitting here thinking, so we're on the same page that none of this is true, right? Like, we're on the same page that this is a lot of ball. And I'm getting ready to leave, and she makes it very clear that she's not with the last question she asked me. And I never talked about this question so long because I thought it was just a normal question. If you were lying, how would I know? And I'm sitting here looking at this woman, dumbfounded. Because it's like you've been staring at me. You've been talking to me. You called me out of my class, and my first concern was what's going on. And you didn't even tell me for a hot minute. And you're wondering if I'm lying.
0: You're the one who <laughs> is not trustworthy. Like
1: huh? if anyone, if I, if anyone should be untrustworthy, it's you. <laughs> like no. I, I'm staring at you, wondering like,
0: is she for real? <laughs> If you're lying, how would I know? Well, here's how you would know: you're following, investigating, a DSS case for a fourteen-year-old. I'm sorry, but fourteen-year-olds in 2023, they'll call DSS if it's necessary. Like. Or they'll tell all their friends at school till it gets back to the teacher in the school. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, anyway, I mean, we can we can go on and on about that forever. Yeah. But that was something that really bothered me about the case and the caseworker, even though I know she was doing her job, is when the first two stops you make debunk what you have been told. Girl, if you don't drop this shit right now. Like, you... And okay, now this makes me think of Jameela, Jalea Easton. Um, what's going on? So, this is what we um, actually, this is what Com said. What happened to Jalea Easton? Jalea was found bruised and unresponsive in the apartment where she lived in the Bronx on May 26th. Lenaisha called, that's her mother called emergency responders to her apartment early that day. When emergency responders arrived, they rushed to Jalea to the hospital. She was pronounced dead within an hour of arriving there. And people believe that... Um... People believe that the mom beat her to death because she was abusive. There was how I learned about the story was a viral video on TikTok. Remember, that's when I asked you because I was like, you don't know about this. It's all over TikTok. And you know these kids love a TikTok chat. So I, I thought you would have knew, but yeah. But um, I first heard about it on TikTok because the mother had posted a video of Jaleya on her birthday they're outside Jalea has on a jacket and the mother is filming her and talking to her and asking her like aren't you happy it's your birthday but like you can see so much fear on this little girl her little like she's terrified of this woman and honestly she looks kind of stiff like she's in a lot of pain right there in the in the video Jalea looks like she's in pain in the video um So what I'm trying to say is this, I'm going to read y'all this thing. I'm going to read it. I can't read it. We are on a podcast, but what I'm trying to say is this. The mother had not been charged, but her other two children were removed from the apartment. I was looking into the information about it to try to see what has happened. It has been a month now. I feel like the autopsy should be out, but I don't know. Um, I'm going to Google Jelea Eason autopsy.
1: For me, that just kind of shows that like, children tell it intentionally, unintentionally, some way adults looking into a situation can get at least a half decent inkling on what's going on. And it's like in Jelea's situation, that inkling was for her neighbors we hear the child being beat often.
0: It, it, it's a lot. This is what I read about the autopsy report. This comes from pkbnews.in. The autopsy report for Jalea Eason has not been released because the investigation is ongoing, but they do have the report. So it is known and they haven't released it. Uh, but so everyone is eagerly anticipating Eason's autopsy. Following the study, it will be possible to decide if homicide charges should be filed against the mother. In the case, currently, Eason's mother is accused of endangering her other two children by ignoring and abusing them. After Jalea's autopsy, no more charges are anticipated. Oh, wow. Hmm. So they don't think she'll get any more charges after Julia. According to the police source, they are also holding off until the medical examiners issue his or her verdict. Screw. Okay. So we, so they, uh, anyway, the point I'm saying is it is quite obvious that this woman killed her daughter. Like it is very it's obvious. obvious and I was really deep on the report. So I read that the neighbors, a lot of the neighbors flipped out when they saw the little girl was being taken and that she was dead. Because they said that they had often heard the mother abusing the kids in the house. Like, they would hear it. So they were, you know, all shocked and taken aback. I don't know. Like, definitely why would she say that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know her, but I love her for that.
0: Why? And my point, my only point really in bringing up the Julia Eason story is that as soon as I heard it, What bothered me about it was the first thing i thought was as people like saudi skimmins got these dss workers you know overworked and underpaid and investigating ultimately bullshit calls while real calls aren't being completed enough to save the lives of children, and that's what the whole point of child protective services is. And so, yeah, that was just my thought on it. But anyway, yeah, um, when Saudi Skibbins called DSS for me on me, it was a retaliation thing because Saudi was upset that I changed my mind about hanging out with him and uh, taking him with me on a a marketing trip. That's really what it was. But um, I just feel like it definitely affected me. I spent many days crying. I was very hurt about what happened only because I was away from my kid for 30 days. Not that he was taken. He wasn't, but we had experienced a recent family tragedy. And in light of the tragedy in his dad's family, actually, I had already sent him to be with his dad's family. And so when DSS showed up, it was like, well, he ain't with me right now anyway. I'm homeless and he's with his dad's family, so have a good day. Um, But just the idea that I couldn't go pick him up and take him anywhere if I wanted to. I couldn't, you know, like he couldn't live with me if I were to, if I had found a place for us to stay, you know, at that time, you still wouldn't have been able to come with me until this investigation was over. And then the other thing to note was that this was the second time that had been, that was the second time someone had called Child Protective Services on me and lied and said some of the same things that my (laughs) son smokes weed. So Jonah, you
1: you you passed your second
0: drug test
1: flying colors (laughs) oh my god i would like to thank the teachers who got me here (laughs) um i find it funny how how me smoking weed is the immediate thought right Because it's like now what sense does that make like it's like so if you've ever interacted me interacted with me once which i don't know about the other two because i don't remember them but the second one, sorry Sani absolutely has. Like, I have a whole memory of us at my aunt's house before all that. Literally sitting down for like two hours straight playing video games with each other. So it's like, you have interacted with me enough to know that it's kind of obvious that I don't <laughs> smoke anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let alone weed. Yes. So it's like, did you, like, what was even the... And it really highlights how much of that was just hatefulness because it's like, you're not trying to get this proven because it's kind of obvious that I don't do that.
0: (laughs) And honestly, because again, he was the second person to accuse you of that when they called Child Protective Services on me. I sometimes think that those people may believe that you do for real because these be my friends and family and acquaintances that want to hurt me and they know me. And this is why I always tell people they don't know me because people learn a little bit about me and don't understand that I'm an onion, bitch. I'm Shrek. I got layers, And people get through the first two or three layers and assume that they know me to the core and they don't. So I say all that to say that I could see my friends, acquaintances and people that had been close to me before they stabbed me in the back, believing that I do allow you to smoke weed because I have such a wild, crazy, quirky personality. But that is a problem that people always have with me they always judge me by my outside i am quirky and wild and i cuss and spit and twerk but i am literally a prudy jesus freak from hell like yeah huh? and a Karen and, period and this is on the second one <laughs> so i think and i think sometimes it even pisses people off because they see that exterior and they want to be friends with that person and that person is who i am i am excited i am charming i am but that doesn't tell you what my values are I,
1: yeah they want they want to be friends with the person whose values are those things Correct. Like, you're wrong <laughs> i don't value just yelling and hurting people's feelings
0: i value the truth and i loudly tell it and it hurts people's feelings sometimes but that was never my intentions
1: and if the truth of something hurts someone's feelings that's their indicate to look at them correct not who said it (laughs) that's totally your problem bro um but yeah but i feel like that was a really good
0: example of the issue that i have with people especially newcomers especially being semi-locally famous people look at you know, wow, she just said that and it made my brother cry for three days. She's vicious. <laughs> you know, I want to be friends with her. She's a dirty bitch. And then they get close to me and realize, like, that's not what it was at all. I was literally trying to help your brother. And guess what? Here's the thing that I know that a lot of people do. After a certain month, you learn that it did help your brother. So period. I is a great example of that. I have a, someone that I knew when I was younger, um, and I, I just ain't going to call the name because I don't want to smoke. But when I was younger, hanging up in my hood on Soligree, Soligree Island, James Island, um, when I was a young boy, okay. My father drove me into the city to, to see, see a marching band. band. He said, son, when you grow up, will you be? the savior for the broken the beaten and the damn oh you thought i didn't know a little bit of um fat boy just no, kidding I, I, know I, I, know. I know they are <laughs> not fat boy but uh <laughs> nine inch nails right um anyway I think so
1: <laughs> i don't even really know <laughs>
0: You know Panic, don't do that. Yeah, I know. Really try to act like, Jonah, I, did you just like, try to like, sis boy just now? And act like you don't know who Panic is? No, no, I don't think that was it. Don't so be <laughs> picked me in for my podcast viewers. I have no idea who Panic is. I'm about no to go like,
1: twerk in is. the bathroom to Panic. <laughs> um, don't and do that. I don't know Beyonce. At I, don't think, all. I think Nicki Minaj's music is bad. <laughs> you couldn't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> or a high-pitched laugh. So <laughs> don't try to laugh deep now. I have to refute it <laughs> immediately. Well <laughs> I'll die. Period.
0: Um, yeah, Saudi skimmers Who cares? Who cares? I'm totally done with this conversation. I really did this episode so that I could really talk about this situation. But, like, I don't care anymore. And I don't care to recount it. And I'm trying
1: so hard. One thing about but when you... I don't care. Like, <laughs> when you stop caring, you become so free. It is very free. I'm
0: trying to, like, remember. I feel like that's why this thing is dragging on. I'm trying to, like, remember how I felt when I... Was... Like, I don't give a fuck. Excuse I, my
1: language. Like, I have those two experiences of being caught out of class. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's what it did. Um... Because you did that, I cried a lot and
0: a bunch of rich people elevated me and helped me move to Atlanta and, have a, and get a new life. So, so. Saudi, I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you. You're so cute. That was beautiful. And I appreciate everything that you've done for me <laughs> <laughs> with your deep ass bunkie hole. Now, y'all have a Hallelujah. great day. Until next time, mind your business. Bye. Okay, so Saudi Skimmins also told me that he was the prince of Satan and his dad was like the Duke or something like that. Okay, Saudi told me that, you know, he knew the white witch who had her hand on me and had nothing on him. Saudi told me that he prayed to his ancestors, who are all dark lords of Satan, about me. And not even lying, some of them things that Saudi told me, I saw in my life, I could tell. I felt, I don't even think he'd been lying. But what I also know is there is no power. There is no power in this world. Dark, magic, witchcraft, son of Satan shit. That could outdo Jesus. So, even with all that evil power, look what it did for me. Child. Look what it did for me. It's so funny because, you know, Saudi told me he was praying about me to his wicked ancestors. But, baby, you prayed for me. Because although... Your prayers went to the devil, child. God heard it. Somebody prayed for me. Had me on their mind. Hey. Took the time and prayed for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad somebody prayed. For me. But baby. I'm always love you. I just can't fuck with you. And that's alright.